This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Shane, I kind of feel like we've had this long-going theme of our podcast over these 90-something episodes of The Hard Market. And it's very unique for so many people that are listening for us to be in this. And you know me, I'm such a nerd. I have to Google everything. But I came across some articles from 2007-ish as I was doing this. And it was fascinating to me because people were crazy stressed over the soft market. Actually, one of those you sent me was from 2013 as well. So we had a pretty good window of 07 to 13 based on those articles. And they're ironically stressed in a soft market too. So what are you talking about? Which market do we love? Which market do we like? And the irony of it all is I wasn't surprised, but it was so great to have validation that the things that make you great in a hard market are actually the same exact things that make you great in a soft market. And it's all the same verbiage. I mean, these articles that I'm reading are talking about how everybody goes on the defense and you need to be playing offense and you have to come to terms that, you know, this gives you tremendous freedom and you can develop strategy to capitalize on this. And everything that I've read in these articles, they're saying the exact same thing that we're saying about a hard market. So do you think it's just we want an excuse? We forget or we've never been through it before. So many agencies today are going through their first hard market. And if you entered the marketplace during a soft market and you went through several years of soft market training in soft markets, when things start going off the rails a little bit, then it's very easy to think the sky is falling. I'm not one to sit back and go, the experienced people know best, or that we don't need to welcome change and innovation and all of that. I love innovation. But what I think happens is, is that we don't find enough balance between the people who have been through it and the people who have been there and allowing them to kind of guide us and truly listening to them if we have never been through it. I spent the first eight to 10 years of my career being the get out of my way, you're old, I'm young, etc., etc. And now I find myself on the back end of the experience piece now and approaching the 30-year mark of experience. And when we are younger, we don't listen. And when we're older, we don't give enough respect to the younger generation for innovation and energy and trying new things. And I think we have to find that balance because right now what's happening is we have that younger generation going through their first hard market. And when you look at these articles and you read some of these guys writing these articles are still in the business. I actually talked to one of the authors of these articles two weeks ago. Did you really? I did. I talked to Brian McNeely at Reagan Consulting, big M&A firm in the insurance industry. And he's one of the co-authors of the article from 2013. I think it's relevant to look at these articles and look at these past Mm -hmm. statements and go, okay, maybe we should pay attention to that. What they're saying is, is that it's really not a lot of difference in how an agency should act, decisions that should be made, 
about strategy and the way we do things. You can play defense. You can play offense. Which one do you do? It's the same exact subject matter written for the soft market that you would write for the now hard market. I do think that we're not paying enough attention at times to our history. So are markets kind of like eggs? You've got like the soft boiled egg and the hard boiled egg. And then is there an over medium really? Or does it just swing soft to hard? There's a lessening market and there's a hardening market but it's never stationary. You're going to have the crowd that says, oh, no, 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 it's 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 softening. It's definitely softening. And then you're going to have the crowd going, oh, this, this market's getting harder every day. And no, there's not this medium thing. The egg is a great analogy. It's either soft or hard. It's not in the middle. I'm actually going to post the link to these articles on our social media pages. So check those out on IA Forwards, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. As someone one that was not in the business when it was a soft market. It kind of shocks me because I just made the assumption that there was a happy medium at some point. I I didn't realize that there was a constant swing. And knowing that, um, I think it just maybe, maybe we need to look at a business strategy that's consistent because it seems to me if we're getting the same suggestions, if we're getting the same ideas of how we need to run our business in a soft market and how we need to run our business in a hard market, doesn't it make sense to just create a game plan and kind of stick with it and make small adjustments when we need to, but not go into this great panic that the sky is falling when we see those fluctuations. Well, I think there's absolutely a reason to have a slow and steady sort of wins the race mindset, infinite gain mindset. And one tweak to my previous statement, while there isn't this middle ground necessarily, these are not quick swings. A soft market that's getting softer or a hard market that's getting harder or softening. These are not really quick swings. I would even say that over the last year, we've seen a faster swing because of borderline hyperinflation, pandemic, all of those things that created more money, money supply increase, all of these economic things that have happened. That's probably been one of the fastest hard market swings I've seen in my time. In most of the market, conditions. Yeah, there might have been an economic event. There might have been global catastrophe events that triggered a hardening market. But there's slow turning markets. That's a reality that we need to think about. Positioning our agencies for the long cycle approach and not having those quick swings, those quick dollar chasing environments is really important in terms of building a great organization, building a great book of business. It's just not the type of industry where doing that on a rapid basis outside of consolidation, okay, outside of an acquisition strategy or a very, very narrow niche market approach in commercial. These are the faster growth models, acquisitions and niche markets. But again, those things still have to have a long cycle tail approach or your hockey stick growth versus stair step growth. Your hockey stick looking approach also has this other effect that that hockey stick growth, if not 
executed right, if not with the right infrastructure, it also can invert itself and it can go the other direction in the reverse hockey stick, which would never be fun. And that's kind of what happened around the Great Recession with big work comp agencies, agencies that had a lot of premium that was based on payroll, that was payroll rated. Those are the agencies that struggled the most in the 2008 recession. The personal lines, the small commercial, those guys stayed pretty even keel through that speed bump. Thinking about the agency that you're just describing, that's us, right? And what did we look like in 2008, 9, 10? That's exactly us. We were a lot smaller and we were pivoting inside our market access program group between more of a cafeteria model to more of an exclusive all-in model. And that model transition happened right around the time of 07 to 2010. And what carried us through was really our original agency book of business, which was very traditional, but also built from the ground up with longevity in mind. We weren't big work comp riders. We weren't big middle market to large commercial riders in terms of agency. We were still in the beginning phases of that slow and steady builds the race. And I went through periods of frustration. We were first to market with several ideas in the late 90s and early 2000s. And by the late 2000s, early 2010s, we were behind in terms of growth. Now, we weren't behind in terms of infrastructure build or building our plan. What we were behind in was sheer volume and size. And we had some peer group competitors run a lot faster. We made the decision to not do that. We made the decision to be more of what I would call that stair-step growth model, where you grow, you plateau, you grow, you plateau. In order to catch our breath in order to build out and test our infrastructure so that we could eventually build out and scale. And we did that again in 16 through about 19. For those guys that are sitting around reading social media or that article about this hyper growth agency, get out of the comparison game. My husband is somewhat obsessed with economics and finance, and he watches a lot of the economic pundits, these talking heads. And when when you watch this and this the sky is falling chicken little message about what the economy is going to look like in the next nine to 12 months. If I was a business owner listening to that, it would scare the bejesus out of me. And And it's one of those things that sometimes you just have to turn it off. And there's so much noise out there that our economy is just going to collapse between now and Christmas. And I think back to 2008 and being in sales in 2008 and what that was like in 8, 9, and 10. And it was tough, but we survived. And it's one of those things that sometimes you just got to turn off the TV. And I actually looked at the cute boy last night and said that. I'm like, you got to turn that off because it's driving me crazy because I'm trying to plan where a company is going and what we're doing and all of these things. And, And even within our podcast of what we're talking about and trying to encourage people to either become agency owners or to help grow their businesses. And sometimes you just have to say, this is 
completely out of my control, but I'm going to do what I do and do what I do best. Economic conditions is not a controllable thing for a business owner. With the right approach, with the right strategy, you can make money, be profitable, stay in the game in any market cycle and in any economic cycle. We've proven it through multiple decades. The industry is growing. Supposedly, it's going to be topping $6 trillion by, I think, 2025 globally. As an economic marketplace, it is one of the closest business models to being recession-proof as there is. Armed with that knowledge, if you stop thinking about all the things you can't control and you start thinking about the things that are in your control, your effort, your attitude, then whether we're dealing with a hard market, whether we're dealing with a soft market, whether we're dealing with a government interference in the marketplace, it doesn't really matter. We should still be able to be successful. There's four industries, if you look back to the Great Depression, that not only survived, but really strived. Do you know what they are? I do not, but I hope you're going to say insurance is one of them. Insurance is one of them. The other three are makeup, radio, and alcohol. If you think about it, I mean, the the Great Depression, insurance thrived in that period. So we're going to make it through it. You're going to be okay. I love that. I had no idea that makeup would have made that list. Alcohol, I understand, and insurance, I understand. I just wonder what happens to radio over the next 50 years. Radio is kind of like insurance, and everybody has been saying forever that the sky is falling and it's going away, and just like an independent agency is, and yet it keeps plugging along and making money. So it 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 evolves just like insurance does. That's pretty amazing. I have not seen a hard market reach this hard market level in my time, but I remember having conversations with what I would call old timers when I was new in the industry. And one of those old timers who's since passed away was an agency that we bought and he started his agency in 1947. When we bought his agency, September 1st, 2001. Just think oh, about wow. that. So when he sold, he was 84. And we used to have these conversations and we got to know each other leading up to that acquisition. And I was very young and he used to talk about things that happened in the industry. When he first came in the business, the way that the agency environment looked compared to the company environment. And he talked a lot about the 1980s. And while I wasn't involved in the marketplace at that time, because I was very young, he talked about how difficult that market was. And the market in Texas got really bad in terms of carriers pulling out of the market, especially in non-metro area. In the rural area, it, it became very, very difficult. And Allstate implemented a really cool strategy from a marketing and strategic method. They really did well here, where all of these carriers were pulling out of the rural market, they went into the marketplace in Texas and they started giving independent agents contracts, even though they were a exclusive agent company. And what happened is because they were open, they started getting huge percentages of these independent agency books. And even into the early 2000s, there were independent agencies in certain parts of Texas that wrote 90% of their business 
as independent agents with Allstate. Really good strategy, but they took advantage of carriers pulling out of the marketplace in the 80s. It's my understanding that that was one of the hardest markets ever was that 80s market. And I've heard people say this market is harder. The difference between those two things to me is it's not a situation where every single carrier has pulled out of the marketplace or has even stopped writing business. So I don't agree because we do have a pretty good portfolio of carriers in the marketplace for most places. For the most part, you have product. Beyond that, I think one of the things that sometimes we forget, this is not exclusive to independent agencies. This is happening across the board. And I think when we start to flip-flop that and think, okay, it's not just us, this is everybody, that gives us permission to go on the offense. Okay, yes, you have had State Farm insurance for the last 20 years, but are they giving you the options that we are? Are they really providing the service that I can provide? And I think when we go beyond the woe is me, this is happening. And yes, it is happening. And you can woe a little bit, but at some point you got to get over the woe and take that step and say, okay, how can I make this work for me? So a couple of weeks ago, we implemented a strategy with our internal sales executives. I just want you to give this a try. I want you to think about customer experience more than I want you to think about price right now. What we don't know is what the prospect situation is in terms of why we're getting a chance to look at their insurance. When they come to us, when we solicit them, however that lead makes it to our agencies, my contention is that it's not so much about price in today's marketplace, even though prices is there because everybody's price is increasing. Everything is going up. What really it comes down to is what kind of experience did they have with you and your people in your agency? Was it pleasant? Were your people professional? Were they courteous? Were they responsive? This is number one. So what we talked about with our internal people was, hey, I want you to get back with people with the best thing you got, the best coverage that you have. Make sure we're insured them correctly, make sure we've gotten that information, but let's get back with them. What I want you to stop doing is I want you to stop procrastinating when you don't automatically have the best price. It's really easy to call back that prospect and give them that quote and give them that proposal when you know you're beating the pants off of their current carrier. When you're not sure or you know your price is high or you're not really competitive, that's when we procrastinate. We start trying to look for other options. We keep going and going and going. The reality of it is, I do not believe that that actually is going to win the business. I believe that what wins the business at this point is customer experience and what happened. And so we put this to the test and we got feedback yesterday from one of our sales executives of just trusting it. We said, hey, we give you 100% permission to fail here. It is okay. If you deliver the best thing you got and it's a thousand dollars too high, but you do it in a timely customer experience manner and you don't win the business, move on. We got feedback just yesterday from one of our sales executives that said, I have been testing this and trying this and I am completely floored 
at the number of accounts that I'm closing regardless of the price. I have sold at least four package accounts in the last week where we were the higher price simply because we were responsive. Service matters. The responsiveness matters and all of that gets bundled into the customer experience. That's what we need to be doing. That's why I think we need to be playing offense, but you got to get your offense right. You can't play offense with no offensive game plan, but I believe you need to be playing offense in this hard market. This morning on LinkedIn, a friend of mine posted a quote by Simon Sinek. It's exactly what you're saying. It says, when people feel safe enough to raise their hands and say, I made a mistake or I need some help, the leader has created an environment where people feel safe to be themselves. And I think that that's exactly what you just did is is we created an environment internally to say, hey, let's try it, see what happens. And if you fail, you fail. But it worked. They don't want to disappoint. And so I think as leaders, one of my learning points off of this has been I have to do a better job of making sure that the people know that they have an environment to fail, that they have an environment to do this in, to be who they are, to grow, etc. And while there are some people who know that environment exists, there are other people who are newer in the organization that I have automatically maybe assumed that they knew that, but they don't know that. And I didn't explicitly tell them that. And so now it's like, I don't want to disappoint you. And I'm like, oh, wow, holy cow, you're never, you're not going to disappoint me. I mean, there are things that would disappoint me, like calling me from jail at two o'clock in the morning because you did something stupid. That would disappoint me. By the way, I've had that happen. <laughs> More than once, actually, <laughs> with with team you members. Called, you called somebody from jail at two o'clock in the morning? No. no. Stop, <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> it's this realization from a leadership standpoint that we have to constantly tell people, we have to make them understand that if we want that environment, we have to create that environment. And creating that environment once, which was kind of the way my mind works, I make the joke of the man that told his wife the day they were married, I love you. And then like 20 years later, well, I told you I loved you. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. That's not good. <laughs> we don't need to have that same approach from a leadership standpoint. Just because we say it once, just because we prove it once doesn't mean we need to stop. We need to keep going so that we can create that environment so that people can feel the freedom to do what we're asking them to do. Try this. Well, if they're afraid of disappointment, then they're not going to try. And so we need to back up and understand that as agency owners. Do we have permission to give ourselves that as well? Now you're getting all fancy on me. So do we have permission to tell ourselves that it's okay to fail. We should. This is a hard one for me because I don't mind this. Like, I do not mind failing. I don't like it. I don't want to fail. But as a baseball player... If you play baseball or softball and you failed seven out of 10 times, then you kind of understand failure. I wish everyone could go through whatever it is in their life that they choose to do sport, hobby, dance, whatever. And they could be in a thing that taught them about failure and taught them how to pick themselves up from failure and recover from failure. It's kind of sad or disheartening for me if someone didn't go through that. 
and all they know is fear of failure and fear of failure paralyzes them. That was not me because I learned to fail at an early age as a baseball player. And it was just ingrained in me that, hey, you're going to fail. You got to keep going. I wish I had this really, really great answer for helping people overcome that other than just telling them it's okay. It's okay. I don't know how many times I say it's okay during the week. So hard market, soft market, our goals just kind of to be more of that over medium thought process and go from there. I don't want to sound mediocre. I hate mediocrity, but again, slow and steady wins the race. Stair step growth, even keel. If somebody looks in your dugout, they don't know whether you're winning by 10 or losing by 10 because you're the same steady pace kind of person. I just think that keeps us in the best place that we need to be as agency owners. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Danny McCaskill. I think everyone's got fear of the unknown. It's just that some people are much better at dealing with it than others. Go Danny. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.